Yes, hi, hey, hello, g'day and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. This week we finally get our season underway in Wellington. We catch up on the rest of Round 2 action. Sean joins us for a chat. And of course, we answer your questions. I'm Pete and I'm joined by Josh and Morrow. Fellas, fellas! Remote hello. Evening. Evening. Peter. Hello. How are we? Crushed. I was just crapping on a minute ago about all of my old man whinging about too much work and other things, but um, that's why I joined this call, so I could stop thinking about that. Exactly. Yeah, now you're still talking about it. Get yeah, out that's of it. it. The rant's over already. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dear. It's nothing. Oh, right. Wouldn't be a podcast without a moral rant in the first uh, in the opening 30 seconds or so. Here Come on. I haven't had a decent rant for a while, you know. Ooh, I need to can, develop something. We can tee you up. Don't you worry. Just, just say paramount. <laughs> I've got just a thing. Exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. Uh, let's move away from that before Morrow starts absolutely going apoplectic and dive right into it with Fred's question. Fred this week asks, our back line looked shaky in the first 15 or so minutes of the game. Should we be perhaps opting for something different in our next game? Also, how good is Stromboli? I'll answer the second part of that. Fucking excellent. <laughs> Fred um, had a few of us over uh, on Sunday for the game. And um, yeah, I tell you what, man makes a mean Stromboli. Oof. And that garlic pizza wasn't half bad too. I wish I arrived on time. <laughs> wow. Very, very good. You missed out, Pete. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, Kowsak and Kalechi both making their debuts. You know, how many teams can you say that both center halves have made their debut in the same game? So I don't think that happens much. I think Dan is... You know, Dan being suspended again was well, was unlucky still for him, but I would expect Dan to come in. And I honestly, I'm not sure who he comes in for, Kaltak and Kalechi. I think, Pete, you've got some thoughts on on how, how they both played. Yeah, I mean, it was, as, as Fred said, yeah, pretty shaky. Yeah, I'll say shaky, sort of um, first 15 or 20 so, or so minutes. Um, you know, if I'm Monty, I'm, I'm probably bringing Hawley back in for, for Caltech. Um, I think Kalechi just offers a bit more in that uh, in that role there. Um, that first 15 or so minutes, so the distribution, I think, was uh, very questionable from, from the both of them. Um, and um, yeah, positioning-wise, uh, not exactly fantastic. Um, but, I mean, both of them definitely grew into the game. Um, you know, Kalechi coming into it off the back of four or five weeks out injured and, and, and Brian Kaltak never having really played a professional game. Um, you know, it's, it's a pass, um, but uh, Hawley comes back in for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it slightly more than a pass because I thought that they they did go into it, and I, and I you know I think there's a I think it's okay for that little sort of nervousness to be there. It's not like they have um, uh, you know played a lot of actual professional games together, none. Um, so you know there has to be a starting point. So and and we have you know moved those players around during the preseason so that everybody's uh, had a chance so i felt by the end of the game that most of that shakiness had started to disappear and and overall i felt we got a little bit unlucky in a few places outside of the the center back pairing but i would agree i think if i'm making the choice i'd probably go with with dan and and um Kalechi, just because of the same i suspect Kalechi maybe offers more but i, I think they both um you know had Decent performances. I'm not going to say they were great performances, um, but a, a decent start to the season for us. 
I think the inexperience at the level maybe showed with that first Wellington goal that was pretty much just like a Ugarkovic through ball over the top. Felt like a pretty simple, or maybe not simple, but something that a, a better, I guess, defender, or, I should try and say it a better, better way, but a more experienced defender would probably be able to deal with. And then, you know, that that's that first goal doesn't happen. But um, yeah, Dan... Dan back in for sure. He he'll uh, he'll give us something different. And I'm not I'm not slamming either of them by by any by any means whatsoever. Yeah. Um, that first goal, just as you say, it it shows that you've got one defend one centre back there who's um, had no game time in the last five weeks, and another centre back who hasn't had a professional game. Um, ben Wayne, you know, is one of the best strikers in this league. In fairness, um, but it's just a it's a super direct ball that just split the two centre backs there, and um, it was all too easy in the end. Yeah, I think that Dan coming back in, bizarrely, I'm going to say that what that'll do is provide us with experience. 23 years old experience, is that what it is? Or is he 22? <laughs> 22, it's, it's 22. <laughs> crikey. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I think it brings experience into the defence and, and a level of calmness that maybe wasn't there, especially early in the game. Um, but yeah, you're right, Pete, that strike is deadly. And, uh, you know, I didn't, didn't really think that any of the mistakes were horrendous. They were, they were um, you know, these things happen. Um, Joe Cancelo over the weekend. <laughs> I think I think what we can say is that we um, we bounced back pretty quickly from the concession of that first goal because Silvera scored only a couple of minutes later and what a what a great goal and it was something that we we mentioned at Fred's house all, all of us that were sitting watching the game is that it was it was something that we hadn't done in the game yet was just drive forward Silvera just got the ball drove forward at a defence that was pretty static and they sort of let him run and he. Finished straight into the bottom corner with a pretty mad rocket of a shot, giving uh, Sale no chance in goal. But a, f- a funny fact again from from us that watched the game is that about a second, half a second before that goal went in, the stream paused on Paramount. <laughs> That's right, just as and, the ball uh, got to the, to the goal line, yeah. <laughs> and it was and it was like that. Oh, did that go in or did that hit the post? So thanks, <laughs> thanks Paramount for that. But uh, yeah, luckily it went in, and then obviously. Coming scored only five minutes later to put us in front. It was funny because our, our celebration sort of buffered as the stream buffered as well. We sort of <laughs> we half went up and the the ball got to the goal line and we all stopped and we just sort of looked around and then finally the stream came back to life and um yeah so did we so it was just oh, couldn't a rewind a rewind would have been better would have been nice you know? <laughs> too hard for that man this is you know complex test technology. Too hard basket as well. Um, something that we did touch a little bit on over uh, or during the course of the game was uh, was Vuka's positioning. Of course, it's his first uh, professional game in in some time as well. Wasn't getting huge game time uh, back over in the Netherlands. Um, has returned, of course, to the coast. Returned home. How good! Um, but um, after he uh, after he got chipped, um, his positioning he seemed a little bit hesitant to come for come for the long ball at times. Yeah, is it is it maybe his age? Maybe caught him out a little bit there with a, maybe a lack of pace that he might have had when he was a bit younger. But yeah, um, I guess one thing you can say probably for the second Wellington goal is that maybe that's something that the keeper should have come out and punched away or dealt with. I think and he admitted that in the post game interview that he could have done a bit better there. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, in, I think, it's in the six yard box. That's that's goalkeeper's territory. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, for 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 my money anyway. Um, but again, and I think Monty might have mentioned it in the in the in the post game presser. 
you know, it's, it's a maybe a lack of communication. Does Danny call for it? I'm not sure. Um, should Benny, should Ankalolo have got there um, ahead of Paulie? And, um, you know, if he does and, you know, Paulie doesn't throw his head backwards and, and just get that unfortunate deflection. So, yeah, I mean, you know, for my money, you know, you're a goalkeeper. Uh, you go through the back of anyone, whether that's, you know, the opposition or your own defender on the near post there. Yeah, and one thing that. we should say for Danny. Oh, sorry, Aaron, you go on. No, no, you're right. I, I just agree with that because I think in that particular, he he has to take out anybody who's in between him and that ball. Like that ball has to be his, and um, everyone else move. Um, but I, similar to the other two, I'm willing to just you know let him settle in. I don't know how much game time he would have been getting over there, but I doubt very much that he's um, without rust. So you know, watching him bump a bit of that rust off, I think is okay. The pace of the games in the actual A League, as opposed to our trials, is probably a notch up. So um, also, we're playing on that pitch. Was there any wind? Was that pitch like a stone? <laughs> oh, that that pitch is always like a stone, and uh, there's always wind there. It's always so swirling all through the stadium there. Yeah, so there's I've never been there, but it's uh, but there's a few unknowns there that always sort of make things look a bit weird. So I'm willing to, you know, I, I think he accepts it wasn't you know his best performance, but um, an okay start to the season for him, I think. I mean, take absolutely nothing away from him as well, because he has made two, two, I think, absolutely top class saves in that. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, without um, you know, with a keeper that's any less than than what he is, we don't come away with anything from that game. That one where he just uh, swaps it away from eight eight yards out oh. and it's going like a rocket. That was class. <laughs> that was travelling as well. Like, how do you react that quickly? I don't know. You have to ask him because. <laughs> No one else had reacted when he had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I still didn't – I wouldn't have reacted after it had hit the back no. of the net and probably would have, yeah. When that guy was swinging at it, I was just presuming it was going to, you know, rip the net. But mm. um, somehow, I don't even know what sort – it almost looked like it hit him in the back of the hand. He was, you know, um, <laughs> was so, you know, it's such a reflex act. It's like but, he uh, sees it in Matrix bullet time or something like that. Yeah, it's just <laughs> absolutely insane. Uh, Jason Cummings, of course, uh, oh, so cruelly denied uh, what would have been a pretty pretty special opener there. Uh, the ball into the area, the header coming off the back of, well, came off the defender first and then off the back of Benny Ancolo's head. Didn't really know anything about it. And uh, Jace with the fantastic overhead kick to be denied by VAR. Is that offside? I think to the letter of the law it yeah, is because Benny's so. made a play at the ball and hang even on. though he didn't know anything about it after it's come off the defender. Yeah. Well, hang on. I'm going to I'm gonna burn that straight away because Benny made a play at the ball that came in from the wing. Mm. He didn't make a play at all at the ball that was headed back at him by the other guy. And so I'm wondering if this is, I'm wondering if this is why it took, um, I think it was Chris Griffiths-Jones in the VAR box on Sunday afternoon. For me, he had no it, intent why it took him six or seven minutes to actually get the answer because he's furiously leafing through the laws of the game booklet that he's got there trying to find what the actual ruling might be on that one. I mean, I don't, I haven't tried to look it up because I've been too busy doing something else, but the, (laughs) but the laws of the game, I suspect will include something about his intention to play the ball. And when those laws are written and surely the intention that we're talking about is the intention to play the ball that he has served and the ball that he served is the defender heading it at him. So Mm. he had no intention to play that ball because he didn't even know the other guy was going to get it. So he was hit by the ball, um, you know, just circumstantially. And so as far as I'm concerned, 
Cracking goal come, Dingo. Well played, son. <laughs> Should definitely be on two for the season. He made absolutely no mistake with the equaliser, though, in the second half. What a finish. That's how you do it. Well, a great ball by Yongo in the build-up as well. Put it him was. straight through. Mm. And then a finish that you would expect from a come, Dingo, straight over the keeper into the far corner. Celebration great for stuff. match as well. Yep. yep. Playing with confidence. How can you not put him on the plane? Yeah. For the World oh, Cup. you got to. Got it. Um, a speaking of uh, speaking of which as well, what a fantastic decoy run for the first goal. Took two defenders out of the path of Silvera to open the uh, to open the channel there to to absolutely nail that into the bottom corner. Yeah, I'm I'm warming to his contribution um, because he he does have that little bit of quality there. Unfortunately, he got involved in the goal at the wrong end, which was not great. But uh, anytime that you've got uh, somebody about my height trying to make the header on the edge of the six yard box, then possibly you're doing it wrong. Um, so yeah, generally I think he started to, you know, fit in and look quite good. Um, so there has been several sort of uh, highlights, if you like, of what he's contributed to our games um, in the recent ones that I've seen. So, and this was probably his best performance for me. In spite of the own goal, and I think um, I think a lot of the work that he's going to do is probably going to go unheralded this season as well, because he does a lot of work off the ball, not just making those decoy runs, but also pressing from the front as well. He loves uh, he loves that high press there, Paulie. Agree, I like him, mm, and I a- think he's a good sort of a foil for the Cumdinger. Yeah. Um, you know that 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 ball is a great example of it. That um, although I expect the the other ball to be uh, prominent as well because uh, he'll have the pace, Paulie, to you know get in behind if the Cumdingo can find him, and we know that the Cumdingo can do that. Thinking about some of the, his efforts last year, so so yeah, more to come, I reckon, from them pair. Do you think uh, we've um, we found the perfect replacement for for Marco Urrenia? Well, that's 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 a big weight to put on his shoulders because Marco was a big <laughs> loss for us. It but it's good signs. We we spoke about it, yeah, very briefly on on Sunday. I was speaking with uh, with Steve Lloyd actually, um, and uh, we we both sort of lamented the fact that we felt like maybe we hadn't replaced Marco sufficiently, and then um, yeah, poorly directly involved in our two goals there. Um, you know, got the yeah, you, know, you could you could nearly class it as a secondary assist, the decoy run in some ways for Silvera's goal, and of course got the assist for for Cummings goal there as well. Just so unfortunate with Yogi at the end of the game, but yeah, it's just one of those things. I would That's say football. that to some extent, uh, the Cumdingo has been Marco's replacement um, because it's not like, you know, the Cumdingo arrived here and then every single game we selected the pair of them together. In fact, we didn't really do that. So I sort of, yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I don't think we were trying to replace him. I think we were trying to go in another direction and I don't mind the direction that we've chosen um, because, uh, what we've got there is hard work and superb finishing, and uh, that's a great combination to have in the front end. And if you think about some of those years when we had a particularly unsuccessful team, then what was missing from us was that, those things. And uh, that hurt because we just didn't have the quality there to finish good work. Um, we do now, I think. We absolutely do. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's more players to come back as well. Um, we haven't, we definitely didn't see the best of Benny and Kalola on the weekend, I think, in fairness. Um, we've still got Matthias Moresh to come back in as well. And Garan Kowal, of course, to come back from, uh, from under 20s Socceroos duty there as well. He scored an absolute banger the other night, but I'm sure we'll come back to that a bit later on. It's crazy to think that we've got Maresh to come back into that group when you consider where he was at 
um, form-wise before the injury because he was ridiculous that night. Like he was literally selling dummies to everybody and had he not been injured, then I think might have been a different finish to the year for us because he was superb. So adding that back into what's already sort of a good, a solid foundation for, um, you know, being a goal-scoring team, then, then, yeah, I think we've got a lot to come. And, of course, we had Tulio on the bench who came on for a pretty quick cameo. We had that chance at the free kick where he uh, prayed over the ball, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately I landed in the stands. But um, hoping to see a bit more from more from him over the coming weeks and Bruce as well as a bench option. Brucey as well, yeah. yeah. So there's there's options in this team. There's a lot of options. And it's uh, as we mentioned before, it's I think it's a good headache for Monty to have with uh, a few players that can easily come into the 11 and do a job. Yeah, Rusi's one who's going to be an absolute terror off the bench as well, all just pace and power. And to think that this kid's uh, still only, well, he's just only just turned 20 years old, the absolute size of him. Jesus. He's going to be a nightmare. In the yeah, in the tight games, then I reckon Monty will probably start him and use him to you know bash the opposition a bit early on because he's an absolute beast. And uh, you know after he's sort of beaten him into submission a bit, then um, we can send out the the quals and the you know ayongos of the world to um, capitalize on the damage. So yeah, I think you're right, Josh. We've got some fantastic options, and uh, it's all encouragement, really, what we're seeing. That's a Matty Simon 2.0. Yeah. Someone to come on and bash the opposition. Wow. Love it. Yeah. That's, yep. that's an important job. Yeah. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Um, just speaking very quickly about that Tulio free kick as well. It was Brian Kaltak who won the free kick. And I think this is one of my favorite moments of the matches from him. Uh, absolutely striding forward out of the heart of the defense. And I've made no secret of my love for center backs who just go marauding forward like that. <laughs> He got absolutely barged off the ball in the end and uh, and won the free kick. But uh, if he had to load it up, apparently he's got a weapon shot on him too. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, if he pulls that out of his arsenal at some point throughout the course of the season again. I agree. I love a good centre-back that just says, you know, screw it, I'm going to go and try and dribble through everybody and score. And go on an adventure, yes. <laughs> Then you hope they don't lose the ball and they have to run back to the position. It's a risky it's a, thing. but It's I a like fine it art. It's off. a fine art. It's one that Dan Hall's got mastered. Uh, so, yeah, if, if, if Brian can bring that too. Yeah, long may it rain. So what do we think about the handball that Sean may mention later <laughs> if we interview him? The handball. Is it? Is it yeah. Yeah, like that. It's Unna- They always go on about unnatural position. That was an unnatural position. Yeah. For me, I agree. For me, it's a handball all day, but I'm confused. I'm very confused because I don't even remember which match it was in the English Premier League, but it involved my team and there was a handball and we didn't get it. And I was willing to accept their bullshit excuses. Oh, quick, cut that out, Pete. Um, <laughs> but but uh, after seeing that one from Wellington, it's like, oh. Hmm. really they moved on pretty quickly from it as well which <laughs> they did like, yeah oh, okay then as they do in yellow shirt matches mm-hmm. yeah i mean there was a similar one in the united game in the premier league over the weekend as well so pretty much the same sort of circumstance so yeah no handball I, no handball so have they changed the laws of the game i don't know does anyone even know what the handball law is anymore i don't <laughs> Handball laws and just everything that surrounds it is so confusing. And anyone who's ever played the game knows what a handball is, you know? Like, you know when you handball the ball and you know the circumstances under which you might handball the ball and things will go against you, like red cards and things. So for me, they were all handballs. 
<laughs> they were all handballs. And I feel like if I was out in the weekend and I did that, then I'd be getting a handball against me. That's the bottom line for me. But it is a point no away from over 35s, is there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Not Sorry, yet. Pete. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. No, no one wants to replay anything that's happening on our pitches, I can tell you. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, it is a point away from home. Uh, could turn out to be a pretty crucial point too as well. Hopefully it doesn't turn out to be two points dropped come the end of the season. Good to keep our record intact over there. We've got a pretty good record and uh, we left there without losing. That was good. Mm. What do they? What do they say? You win all your home games. You take a point away from home every day. Yeah, you're going to be cl- you're going to be in the hunt if you do that, fellas. Your three, two, ones from the game. Cool, Aaron, you go first. Yeah, I knew you were going to throw that to me because I've got no idea either. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Sam Silvera for three. It was just yeah worth that. I'm going with two for the come dingo. And I'm going with, well, now I'm really running out of what I think because everyone else is pretty equal, actually. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Nids. Fair. That's it. Yeah, that's fair. For me, three for the cum dingo, one for the bicycle, two for the goal. Um, two, yeah, it's hard to go past Silvera for his goal. And I think, you know, I think a couple of us or maybe all of us are going to maybe be eating humble pie after um, the announcement of him coming back to the club was met with a few, bit, of, bit of a lukewarm take. And one, I have to go with a Yongo. thought he was pretty good. Pretty good. And I'm um, looking forward to seeing more from him. Very good. Uh, three for me, of course. The man himself, Jason Cummings. My two points will... Oh, it's on a knife edge, really. Um no, nah, I'm going to go two to Ayongo and uh, and one to Silvera. Um, Silvera was fantastic after he managed to inject himself into the game, but I just think Ayongo offered a little bit more um, throughout the course of the game in spite of his own goal. You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. Cheers, Jeff. Let's recap the rest of round two action in the Isuzu Ute A-League Men's, proudly sponsored by Isuzu Ute. Of course, a Friday night game. Uh, Melbourne City travelled up to Brisbane, a 2-0 victory uh, for Melbourne City in the end, in spite of a red card well, pretty early on into the second half there. Yeah, Brisbane are not good. Uh, not impressive at all. Couldn't get Charlie Austin into the game. Couldn't give him any service. Second half. Yeah, just try to create things against the 10-man side and just didn't come up with anything. So I think Brisbane are almost odds-on to be a bottom two team for me. What about you guys? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yep. agree. I thought they were fairly poor. Mm. I mean, City yep. were decent, so it wasn't all Brisbane being poor. But, um, but yeah, Brisbane were poor. I mean, they, ba- they barely even they barely even came out and played after Gamulka's red card, and I think that was two minutes after half time or something like that. They had another entire forty five minutes to get themselves back into the game. Um, you know, one goal and um, and it was game on. But they offered really next to nothing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, agree. They're yeah. in trouble already. I think. 
something mm. needs to change there. See you, Warren Moon. I predicted that. Come on, baby. I was when about to say, I think there was a couple of a couple of us that might have predicted him as uh, his first coach sucked in our uh, preseason predictions. So I think there might be a couple of us on the money for that one there. Um, McTappian, of course, extending his advantage early on in the uh, race for the Golden Boot there, but Cumdingo's still got a game in hand on him. So no doubt whatsoever that Cumdingo will reign supreme come the end of the season. Oh, they're already trying to chalk goals off that he scores so that he doesn't, you know. That's <laughs> a conspiracy. Close. Exactly. Of course it's a conspiracy. It's the, you know, yellow conspiracy. <laughs> of course, we saw um, in this game Brisbane returned to uh, to their cavernous soulless arena, really, at Suncorp Stadium there, a crowd of 7,890 in attendance. And it just doesn't look good in a forty or 45,000-seater stadium or whatever Suncorp is. It's 50. Um, 50 or oh, yep. 52, I think. Yeah, even. Um, yep. it's, it's not great. Yeah, I believe um, they're heading back to Redcliffe. I think they've only got a couple of games at Suncorp. I don't know what's going on at Redcliffe, but uh, it looks like they're heading back there pretty soon. So that suits their – I think that suits them more than Suncorp does. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Moving to Saturday afternoon action, uh, Zatlot from up the road, Newcastle managed to hang on in the end, uh, a 2-1 win. Well, it wasn't even hanging on, really. It was a, it was a late, late, late winner, uh, a 2-1 victory over, I think, one of the other bottom two so far this season, Perth Glory, um, or come the end of the season, I should say, really. Um, Jordan Elsie opening the scoring for the Jets before <laughs> promptly Kicking a bloke in the off. head. Um, and we'll, we'll come back and discuss this in a little bit more depth in a moment. Um, uh, it was McEnough who equalised for the glory from the penalty spot, but Becker Mikkel-Tadze breaking the hearts of the glory so, so late in the 93rd minute there to earn all three points for the Jets, uh, the 10-man Jets there. Yes, Grom. <laughs> <laughs> don't even want to talk about them, do you, Josh? No, I, I don't really want to talk about them either because they weren't that bad. That's why I don't want to talk about them because I don't want to say anything too nice about them. Mm. Um what about that? You said coming back to you come back to it, Pete. Let's that, let's let's just make this the only talking point of the game, really. Jordan Elsie yep. kicks a bloke in the head and gets two weeks suspension. <laughs> Someone from Wellington slips over and gets three weeks on the sidelines. Like this is so, surely some sort of stitch up. Yes, it's the key. It's the Kiwi team in an Australian league tax, is what it is. It seems it's the team in yellow. Yeah, as Moz said, yeah. it's yeah. Oh, it's an absolute stitch up and a half. And if I'm if I'm if I'm Glory or anyone else, you know the the bloke that's on the end of of Elsie's foot, um, I'm probably appealing that two weeks and saying, Your Honour, um, maybe a harsher penalty in order here. I know you can't do that, but you know. maybe a yellow card in order here. I'm sorry, but I'm from the old school where I don't agree with any of these um, contact after um, follow contact with follow through. In my view, if a player runs in without the ability to get the ball and another player plays the ball and in the in, and the consequence of that action is that the studs of the player who actually could play the ball plays the player who stupidly ran in there with no chance of playing the ball. I don't believe that's a red card. It's, Hang on a second. You, you, you think Elsie shouldn't have been sent off? Correct. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, it's not the only one. There's a long list of them. Liam Cooper got sent off for Leeds in a similar incident where the follow-through came in contact. He clearly strikes the ball first and then strikes the player. So 
Jordan Elsie, he deserves 16 weeks for that. Yeah, that, that notwithstanding, I agree with that. <laughs> Probably give him a jail sentence, Your Honour. <laughs> well, I'd be happy if he just doesn't play again. Although, at the same time, it was very uh, comic relief to see him score that goal and then um, almost immediately get sent off. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was funny. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just feel like, like some of the politically incorrect comments that uh, the game has become soft. Game's G- gone. Game's gone. Uh, game's gone. <laughs> there, there's so many examples of it. Like, um, what's uh, there was that city guy, um, the fullback, who also had a follow through uh, on the pitch of the ball and came in contact with the opposition and got weeks for it as well. And I just don't believe that that was the rules five years ago before VAR changed the rules of the game. Oh, they definitely were. I remember Nani getting sent off in a. Uh, Champions League game uh, against Barcelona. Uh, I think it might have been a semi-final off the top of my head. I could be wrong. Um, and uh, similar sort of thing. He, he went to bring a ball out of the air, but his foot was raised um, at you know sort of chest height, and someone jumped into his foot, and he's and he's off, and he got a few weeks for it. Um, it's it is what it is. You know, you can't be raising your foot at head height, and um, you know we saw O'Donovan get what was it eight weeks for kicking Lawrence Thomas in the head. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, right. that's, that's probably a head that needs a bit of panel beating, but, you know, it's... Did he, can't... Did he play the ball, though? Oh, he was definitely stretching for the ball and the keeper's come out. Yeah, and... ball of his head. So, <laughs> so no. It's he, was stretching, he was stretching for the ball. <laughs> when a player kicks the ball and the follow-through is the contact point, None of those. Uh, so you're, you're saying I don't he care had... if it contacts him and takes out both his eyes. It's still not a red card. You're saying he headbutted his foot. <laughs> well, to be honest, that's actually a, yeah, that's a fair description of it. That yeah, he did. Um, he was be, late. You should be if a defence lawyer late, or something. Like if he arrived earlier, would then there could be a red card. But because he was late, then mm. yeah, he gets kicked in the follow through because it was actually a sixty forty ball. It's a red. It's a red card the other way, as far as was concerned. Uh, uh. I'm not going to go that far. But... <laughs> Violent just... conduct against Elsie's studs. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, the 7.45 game on Saturday was at Amy Park, Melbourne Victory hosting the Wanderers. This one, perhaps a shock of the round. Yeah, for sure. I thought Victory would do this one easy, but um, yeah, Wanderers got got away with a fluky goal from, speaking of centre-backs, who went for a run. Mm. And then got that lucky deflection that came back off him into the net. And then Wanderers just held on and held him out, so... You don't want to give too much credit to a team coached by Rudan, but yeah, a little bit of credit to them for two wins out of two to start the season. Our predictions on Rudan's demise is not as good as our predictions on potentially others, but yeah. We were, it's coming. We were, we were it's perhaps coming. more hopeful than uh, realistic at this point in time after two wins. They're lulling the Wanderers fans and, and bought into a false sense of security, I think, with the uh, with a couple of early wins. I mean, obviously, Rudin was quite delusional in his comments after round one, saying that stylistically he thought they were the best side um, over the course of the entire first round. Again, I didn't think they were any, anything great to watch on Saturday night. Um, you know, Paolo will be turning in his grave right now uh, after victory had what, 62% possession in this one. So, uh, and still zero goals to show for it. So they didn't really look like it either, did they? Like they, they didn't even really, they huffed a bit, but they didn't even get to puff. Mm. I didn't, I didn't think they made that much. I think their, um, their first and only shot on target came in the 90th or 92nd minute or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, goes to show. Jekyll and Hyde, yeah. the victory. A, a victory team at Amy Park at home, only getting a shot, one shot on target in the 90th minute. Oof, not good. Weird. 
mm. not good for them. But uh, nice scenes in the in the stands. I thought uh, pretty big, pretty decent turnout from the Victory fans and what the Wanderers had a whole bay of travelling supporters. So that's uh, good signs at the start of the season. It was good. Even the pregame, the build-up, the march from the uh, from the North Terrace as well was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Decent crowd on the night, as you say, uh, eighteen thousand over eighteen thousand in attendance at Amy Park, so nearly a sellout. I think um, the general admission bays are all sold out for that one there. So, um, really good, uh, really good showing from the Melbourne faithful there. Turning to the other games on a Super Sunday of football uh, was the three o'clock kickoff in Macarthur. Did I say that with enough disdain? Do you think Macarthur? Ugh, why did this club exist? <laughs> Daniel Arzani doing things and uh, Lockie Rose pushing for a Socceroos spot. <laughs> Can't say that with a straight face. <laughs> yeah, we were, say, we were saying, we'll see what Fred's watching after our game. We are saying, like, it's not Arzani getting the call, it's Lockie Rose. What a, what a striker he is. The commentary team, and in particular, there's one commentator in particular that just absolutely gets off over every single little thing he does he makes a five five yard sideways pass and oh my god look at that from lachlan rose that's incredible it's it's not this ain't it <laughs> and um a, a huge crowd down in campbelltown of about uh three people and a dog so uh <laughs> so they announced that crowd guess do you want to have a guess at what they announced that crowd as probably like 4k when it was probably a, a 1000 there at most what um, He's looking it up. He's looking yeah, it up. Of course, I am. <laughs> of course I am. I've got absolutely no idea. They've announced this one as 3,213, and there was no way in hell there was more than a thousand there. Not a chance. Not yeah, a chance. They've had more than a thousand, have they? <laughs> there was a thousand people, and it felt like there were about 50,000 bells. Mm. God, those things are annoying. Can't wait. Oh, it's, it's, it's like you have to watch a MacArthur game on mute. Because those bells are, yeah, not fun. And the fapping over Lachlan Rose as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any, any any comments about the hype? A couple of decent moments, I'd say. Look, he looked good. Um, I wish yeah. I had have had him in my fantasy team over over Davila. Um, I'm after looking at him now. Davila got, <laughs> got, uh, got brought off after, what, 10 or 11 minutes or so after rolling around on the floor for at least seven or eight of those 11 minutes. Yeah, was it um, was it Isaias that kept fouling him? Isaias like fouled him about two or three times, and he was just yeah. Mm. And then he does a hammy, so that was unfortunate. But yeah, although Adelaide had a few chances, like a, a few really good chances, and didn't put him away, and Macarthur took their chances. So sometimes football is a simple game, and that's in that way. I mean, they had double the amount of shots. Uh, they had twenty shots to Macarthur's ten. Macarthur, obviously, the more clinical, I and mean, it's a scoreline of clearly states. Um, again, you know, it goes to show possession isn't everything. With Adelaide sixty-four percent of the possession on the day, um, and and managing twenty shots, but uh, not making anything count. Yeah, Struggling. they just didn't seem to have that sort of quality that they normally do have. And they did have – did they have two in the net um, disallowed? Um, mm. At least one. And, yep. uh, yeah, so they, they're a little bit yeah. unlucky as well. I don't think they're – Ibasuki, Mr. Mr. Sitter, I remember. Mr. Sitter only right had one disallowed as well, yeah. Is that the same yeah. um, uh, scoring uh, uh, turnaround, i.e. climbing on the player as we experienced with a Melbourne header? recently or a goal that was disallowed Valupale maybe or um that other forward for the victory who climbed one of us to score climbed Kai Rolls to score a goal mm. and then there was the argument on I don't know about that was that definitely a foul for you Pear? No game's yeah. gone 
<laughs> no, I thought it was a bit soft. Um, Sean Evans at it again, obviously. Oh, I hadn't even recognised that it was Sean Evans. Yep. Okay, that explains it then. Yep, yep, say less. As um, you were. <laughs> the final match of the round on Sunday afternoon, Western whatever hosting Sydney FC at wherever their home ground is these days. Uh, 3-1 victory to the Sky Blues, Adam LaFondra, uh, Mac and Joe Lolly uh, with a sweet, sweet, sweet finish. Uh, to cap off a pretty comprehensive victory for Sydney FC. Not a good start to the season for uh, the Western whatever uh, champions from last season, two losses from two. I guess they went 1-0 up and then out of nowhere in like a what, 10, 15-minute burst at the end of the first half, Sydney came back and out of nowhere led 2-1 and then, yeah, it was Sydney's game to lose from there and they went on with it in the second half and were pretty cruisy by the end of it. Western could have been yeah, much. could have been a lot more than than four as well. Adam Lafondra missed a penalty earlier in the first half as well, which is when the tide sort of started to turn in Sydney's favour after they got were awarded that first penalty. Um, but uh, they had all the chances uh, in this one. Um, Western, as you say, Josh, really didn't offer much, and uh, soft goals sort of costing them a little bit this season. To be fair, I thought yeah. that not just the lolly goal was a cracker, but also the Mac goal was a cracker. Mm. Um, I know I've been doing it all pod, but um, was that first pen a pen? I think LaCroix gets the ball. He misses a pen anyway and makes it inconsequential. <laughs> but still. The yeah. top of Stanley one was definitely a pen. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. He gave himself away too, big time. As soon as he reacted to that, yeah, uh, any ref in the world's going to give that when, the, when your centre-back reacts like that. Um, he's given himself up. I may have underestimated Sydney, though, because uh, if Lolly and Matt keep, you know, that kind mm. of level of quality going, then I might be eating a few earlier words. Yeah, same. Me too. I was just about to mention that I that Mac, you know, he's two goals from two and looks looks like a pretty handy signing for them on the – is he playing on the left? Mm. Yeah, Lolly so, on the yeah. right. He's yeah. just got that quality and they've got – both of them have got that quality and, uh, you know, if they sort of get wound up with that kind of finishing quality, then – though he could be hard to stop. Yeah, absolutely. And they're only going to get better as well. If they stay fit for Sydney, they um, they could do some damage throughout the course of this season. So, yeah, to be seen whether they can stay fit. You know, for our sake, I hope not. But um... I, The last thing I just wanted to mention about this game is that the combined average age of the two starting teams, I think hmm. Western's was about 29.6 and Sydney's was, I think, 30. What do we think of that? Is that... Is that something that we should be concerned about? That you know that these two teams are playing and not maybe not giving enough minutes to the younger players. Is that something we should be concerned about? Who would I mean, want it's... to play for Western United anyway? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but aside from that, um, yeah, I, yeah. To some extent, I probably agree with that. I mean, I suppose it is a bit about our own culture and how we feel about how our own team should represent us. Um, yeah. Because we would not like that at all. <laughs> if our team was aged like that, and we would find that a little offensive, I think. Um, and Sydney have had players that have obviously left the club for other opportunities. The biggest example to start the season is Nuenhoff at Wanderers, who's mm. started and played well. So, yeah, just something I thought I'd bring up. But I mean, yeah, Nuenhoff was yeah. man of the match in um, in in the Wanderers game for me, and I think for most people as well. Absolutely insane decision uh from the club to let him go um without um without offering him any anything sort of decent there i think they only offered him a scholarship so um he's 
going to kill it at the Wanderers is absolutely quality. Seems like all the eggs um, are in one basket for them, doesn't it? That they've just chosen this particular model instead of um, like they're really sort of eliminating youth as opposed I mean, to promoting. The shame, the, yeah, the shame for me is is Sydney have these players um, that have come through their academy that I've that I've watched over the years as well. Players like Patrick Wood, players like Jaden Kacharski, um, Adrian Sekic Blackwood, as well, um, yeah, Blackwood as well. Um, I mean, the three that I've just mentioned are for me head and shoulders above Blackwood in terms of their potential ability, their their natural talent as well. You know, and and Woods getting minutes here and there off the bench. Of course, Segacic wasn't in the squad on the weekend because he's off with the under 20s um but he tore us apart in the ffa cup and he's going to see his minutes severely limited by players like robert mack and uh, and joe lolly as well um as as will Jaden kacharski as well who i think is potentially yeah one of one of the best young players in this league the upside is that uh, when these players get sick of uh, hanging around with old fogies and being coached by a has-been who never was then they will probably, um, you know, want to come to us. And just a quick caveat on that as well. When I say best play, best young player in the league, I mean aside from anyone at the Mariners, of course. Because <laughs> uh, Jaden Kajarski would struggle to find his way out of Jacob Farrell's pocket if you gave him a map, if you ask me. <laughs> Every day, I know that it's you I need to take the blues away. It must be love, love. Once again, joined this week on the Coast Football Ramble podcast. It has been a red hot minute between drinks. It is Mariner CEO, Sean Millicamp. Not Sean McAuliffe, Sean Millicamp. Sean, how are you? I'm I'm as mad as hell. No, no, no. All good. (laughs) Going really well, gents. So good to be back on. It's great to have you alongside us, mate. Um, been a really exciting few days for the club with the season finally kicking off, but also the announcement that we will finally, finally, finally have a Liberty A-League women's side admitted to the competition for the 2023-24 season. How's the vibe been around the club in the wake of the announcement? Yeah, look, it's been brilliant. It's um, I had uh, more hair on my head than you've got on your chin when I started uh, talking about the uh, the A League Women's or well, the W League at the time, and it's uh, it's hard to believe it's actually been almost eight years since we uh, since we first started really going at this, and and um, you could almost write a book on the on the challenges and the tribulations and the politics and the absolute bullcrap that's gone on behind the scenes. But yeah, that's all in the past now. We've finally got the final rubber stamp. There's no turning back. The license is done, and um, and it's all. It's all guns are blazing now, so it's um, it's so exciting to to finally be able to complete the ecosystem for football on the coast and and now be the the number one sport uh, for not only men's but but female sport on the coast. And how good is it? It's great. It's absolutely sensational. Any chance of I guess some some sort of double headers with the uh, with the men's uh, competition in in season twenty three twenty four? Yeah, look, there is, and it's really quite a topical point. Uh, around that because um, previously you know, clubs have done heaps of double headers and what the league has found is that it's actually somewhat detracted a little bit from the um, uh, from the girls so it hasn't actually showcased uh, the A League W uh, as much so they kind of play second fiddle to to the A League men's at times so so there's definitely a reason to um, uh, to to have good standalone fixtures that that are great events on their own uh, but then of course there's going to be big ones like 
to have a double head on New Year's Eve, I think will be just sensational. Um, and um, and yeah, I think there's some really good opportunities to to to, to make the big ones even bigger. And so there's, this has been a, a long plan in the making, Sean. And so I imagine that we're fairly well prepared, but um, we were already assuming that we were going to have a license, I suppose. So we're ready to go, are we? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the simple part of it. So, you know, there's, um, if anything, the, the challenges, we were ready to go at each year where the league was, where it was at the time. So now it's about being ready for what the league's going to be next year. So which does have increased costs. It does have increased rounds. It does have increased salaries. Uh, so so we've had to keep pace in preparation with every year as as the other teams have grown without having a team. So that's been a bit unique uh, in all that. So uh, as an example, three years ago, uh, there wasn't requirements that the women had to have parity in the same facilities as the men did, whereas now, the, now we do. So, you know, there wasn't as many games and um and so now there is so so it's great that we come in to make a big difference to the league because it completes the home and away uh for them which i think is is sensational across uh the the a-league w and um and yeah so so there's there's still plenty to do there always will be plenty to do as there is in the a-league um but yeah of course we're we're ready and next step let's find a coach Moving off coaches very quickly, um, Fred from the podcast wants to know any chance of uh, a particular marquee player, maybe Hayley Russo? Yeah, look, I think it's definitely going to come into the equations. Um, yeah, we it, it will probably, as as anything, yeah, start with the coach and the, the direction of the coach and where they want to head. Um, you know, we do want to make sure that there is, you know, a successful team that's on the park um, and we've got to make a presence, you know, hitting the ground running. We're really exciting. Um, to to have announced our first player, and um, you know, uh, Rasmussen is a is a quality player, and 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 for her to be you know um, now in the history books with Damien Brown, I think is really exciting. Um, but yeah, who's going to be who's going to be our marquee player? Who's going to be the best players? They're all great questions. I can't wait to have answered. But of course, as you say, um, uh, Ras, who's just signed from uh, from the academy this season as well. Now, can you talk to us a bit about the pathway from the academy to the uh, to the women's side? Yeah, the pathways the pathway is exciting because it's it's the same as the men's now. So there's there's um, you know so so we start from under nines. The academy structure is the same. Um, now we get to grow and, and work through. You know, the girls will be now challenged with the same that the boys had in in, in getting NPL two promoted through to NPL one, uh, which is exciting. And yeah, from from that from that aspect, you know, you can now if you're if you're a girl at the um, uh, in the academy, you can see a direct pathway not only to our A League women's, but of course, you know, perform well in our A League women's and and uh, and the Matildas and the national teams will take notice. So and and the world's your oyster as the women's game is growing around the world. So it's um, it is it is really exciting, and and there's no reason why we can't produce as many, if not more, Matildas than we do Socceroos. Are, are we uh, looking to continue with the the same sort of ID that we have, obviously, around youth and development of youth and promotion of youth and all of that sort of thing? Um, but I guess the budget at, at the initial step is less than the A League men's budget, probably substantially. I don't actually know it. There's lots of things for us uh, to learn about it, to be honest, but. Will we um, likely spend the cap in that arena and therefore, you know, effectively be as competitive as the next team? Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of work to to dive into that, and and again, it's it's been going up every year, so it's hard to to really say with absolute confidence what next year's going to look like until we've seen how much we generate in sponsorship dollars, how much you know the 
uh, all the costs once they're real costs instead of just hypothetical budgeted costs. Um, they'll probably dictate to those sort of things. But to, to give some clarity for this year, uh, the budget is, uh, I think it's 350K is the floor and, uh, and half a million, 500K is the cap. Uh, there is uh, less players required uh, and more scholarships uh, can be sitting within your roster for the women's, but there's less weeks. So it's a 29-week uh, rostering for this year, uh, but that'll all increase for next year. So uh, so that's what I mean. We've sort of got to keep keep pace with with all that as it, as it grows. So unlike the, the, the men who are with us for 12 months of the year and with that horrendously long preseason, uh, the girls the girls are, are, are in for, you know, for you know, a third of the year. And um, and so so that's how it sort of translates. Uh, so moving on, we've seen that there was a postponement, unfortunately, of our of our trip to Mudgee uh, in, on Saturday week, with the weather conditions out that way not looking too good. Um, will this be something that we need to revisit next season? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I do think that we will continue to um, keep one match available to us uh, for the right market for the right times. Um, yeah, we'll definitely keep a conversation with Mudgee. There will be a feeling of unfinished business. Still is a bit of unfinished business uh, out there to Mudgee because we do believe that there is a there is a good market there and a good group of fans and, and a good destination for our fans to go to. So, um, so it'll it, it'll continue to be on the radar for us. Um, but yeah, it's it was just uh, uh, too hard to to put everybody through, you know, the panic and 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 the fear of what happens if. You know, if, if we can't get the game up out there and we've sent broadcast crews and, you know, got, got you know, teams travelling, you know, Western United travelling, you know, all the way in and, uh, you know, the, the financial risk was too great uh, and the chances are that the pitch will still be underwater is very high. So just decided to make an early call, um, you know, and probably take the safe bet on this one and, and bring it back home. Yeah, absolutely. Safe bet, as you say. And, you know, most importantly, Wesh is going out to everyone in that sort of Midwest region at the moment. Things look pretty uh, pretty hairy out there. And with a bit more brain to come, of course, we uh, we hope for all the best for them out there. There has um, there has been a fair bit of talk over the last couple of weeks about um, the GOAT, Matt Simon's farewell. And um, we've heard that he may just be getting a, a John Farnham sort of style send-off there. Um, any update on a on a testimonial match, maybe, or a fifty foot bronze statue out the front of Central Coast Stadium, or maybe just renaming the stadium the Goat Arena, maybe? Oh, the, oh, the Goat Arena. That sounds right. I um, I uh, I think that there's definitely definitely uh, a John Farnham tour that we're about to see happen. Uh, this could drag on for a long time, and and all the more for it for me. Uh, but yeah, me definitely, too. it's gonna it's gonna continue this weekend. We're definitely going to give him the send off and the, and the parts that we missed uh, the last one. So so you know he'll be there with his you know, with his family and, um, and and his kids there and everybody will get a chance to meet Simo and and he knows that that's on the cards again. Um, and he uh, and yeah he, he does know that we are uh, working through a testimonial uh, opportunity. We think that the World Cup break might create that. Um, to be honest, he's actually been just head down, bum up, working with Monty and the team. So I haven't been able to get him in a headlock and get him in the office and say, All right, let's start. Let's start working through this because so, uh, so much is going to be about what he wants to do and how he wants to to go about things rather than us just telling him what we're going to do. And um, and and this all becomes a big part of Simo's transition into a long-term career uh, with the club as well. So so what his long-term job 
you know, looks like with us will be will be exciting, and and we've all um, we've we've all agreed that he's he's going to be part of the furniture for a long time. So so we can keep milk in his farewell for many years to come. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, his, his farewell is. I, I did say last week that he's only he's only walking from the sideline to the bench. Really, it's only a couple of yards. He's <laughs> <laughs> not going anywhere. <laughs> and in terms of Simo's role going forward as well, it's a, it's a player welfare sort of gig, is it? Yeah, look, I suppose there's um, there's quite a range of options that that um, that we'll work through with Simo. There's definitely a player welfare component. There's definitely that leadership and the captaincy uh, off the field is still very much a part of that. So still training with the boys, uh, still working very hard, um, you know, with with the team. So that's there. He just can't head the ball when he's when he's out there with them. So working really closely with Monty. Uh, and then now, and then yeah, now we'll start to to unlock you know a few more tasks and roles as we go. It's all still very fresh and and new. So um, so yeah, yeah, and we're not in a rush. Yeah, which is uh, the way it all evolved. Perfect, beautiful. Um, How did the boys pull up after uh, after Sunday in Wellington? Yeah, feedback from Monty was good. I haven't uh, caught up with the boys and seen them. They had um, uh, they had the day off today. So um, uh, but yeah, yeah, Monty said no, all good. I suppose you know licking their wounds a little bit in regards to knowing that they had a win and, and, uh, and, um, and, and watch it slip through the fingers, um, you know, pretty dirty about the handball call. I think we, we feel that the, the handball call was, was a handball call, right? So just cause he had his back turned and, and whatever, but you guys might, might've seen it differently, but we thought that was a dead set pen. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, the chip over for, um, for, for, for the come dingo to, um, to put one away and get called back was, yeah, it was a 50-50 call and, and unfortunately didn't go our way. But putting those parts aside, yeah, I think they're all okay and and uh, and we'll you know, we'll see how they go and get ready for Perth. Beautiful. How did you feel about our performance? Like what did you oh, think? Look, to be honest, I um I actually prefer not to make a comment, good, bad, or indifferent, apart from being really positive all the time. Um, <laughs> the last thing that 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 I need is is a player bailing me up going. Well, you think I had a shit game? <laughs> you're not bad. You're not bad as an opening batsman, are you? <laughs> He's blocked that beautifully. Yeah, I'm just not going to get into it. Right, it's too too risky. <laughs> it was going to be all, it was going to be all positive because I was pretty impressed. I must admit, I felt filthy about the fact that we didn't get the win because I felt that we don't uh, we'd done enough to get the win, and uh, one or two things went against us. And uh, I agree with you on a couple of them. And yeah, so so it was positive for me and a good start to the season, considering we sort of you know had to wait a week to see us. Yeah, definitely. I love the passion on Sammy Silvera when, when he when he belted it into the back of the net. I um, that, that stood out for me as you know someone who who looked like he was at home. I loved it. And he's yeah. showing those signs of um, actually, you know, turning around those doubters that might still exist out there because he played for the enemy. Um, you know, with those kind of performances, and it's not the only one we've seen him do so far. Then he's just a different player, and that's fantastic to watch. So fair play to him. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So great. Hundred um, percent. Any uh, any words ahead of this weekend? Um, you reckon I should ask Simo to, to go and watch the second half in Basic Sixteen with you fellas? Will that work? I'll oh, get him in the ground announcer box. We need ground a new one. We, we need a decent ground announcer. Yeah, we haven't had one for many years. That's for sure. <laughs> Will you advertise? <laughs> Will you advertise that Simo is going to do that so that we can all get down there? Well, I figured if I like mention it on a podcast, I might be able to put some pressure on him, you know, and then back it up and sort of push him into a corner, right? So. I'll make sure I grab that as a vox pop and send it through to him, and yeah, you know, here he comes. <laughs> I can't wait for my text message I'm going to get from him. Thanks. <laughs> uh, he'd love it. He'd love it. Imagine how many beers he gets shouted. Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'll shout him on. 
Yeah, yep. Yeah, I'm sure the whole bay would. Sean, once again, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon on the Coast Football Ramble podcast. Absolute pleasure, mate. Cheers, gents. Can't wait to see you there uh, at uh, the stadium. Can't wait. Catch us there. Ciao. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Right. Thanks. Love you. Love you. Let's have a quick look at the Coast Football Ramble tipping competition, of course, the Coast Football Ramble Fantasy League as well, of course. Starting with the tipping. Um, decent round from, uh, well, Bielsa's Battlers, uh, five out of six, and taking top spot in the CFR podcast tipping competition. Uh, Joyful Mariners also got five from six for the round as well, sitting in second. Um, the Marty Mariner Show FC in third, followed by yours truly. Hello, goodbye in fourth place after uh, getting three for the round. Just a tip, um, also equal with me on six points. Uh, Benny, not the Jets, um, also equal fourth place. Yours uh, truly. Uh, I thought it might have been. Yes, very good. Somehow um, I got the wrong name in my team, but I'm Benny, not the Jets, and Josh is Benny. <laughs> hates the Jets. Hates the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> we've got heaps of. We've got heaps in equal fourth, actually, or equal third. It is rather, I should say. Danny Vuka tips once again. Cameron Smith, love that name. Come dog millionaire Luke. Um, Kale Morrow um, as well. Quality. Uh, we've got Canberra United. Fletchy's Plan B. Come Dingo's Terrigal Tigers. Actually, Terrigal Tigers. No, you're in fourth. So uh, let's move on from that. Um, Where are you, Josh? It's not anywhere. Oh, I'm way down there. I've only got two. I think I've only got two in the first two weeks. So Twenty-seven. Yeah. Sitting sitting on uh, four points at the moment there, Josh. Uh, so repping the uh, repping the podcast proudly. I see. And where's Luke? Is he withdrawn? <laughs> <laughs> he's in 44th. Oh, he's on brand and he's in the same form as he was last season. There's still plenty of time to go in the season. It's a very long season. One week does not a season make. Uh, so yet to be seen how things will shape up um, over the course of the rest of the season, of course. And of course, looking at the Coast Football Ramble podcast, Fantasy League, it is Quality FC reigning supreme at the top of the league with 109 points after two rounds. Uh, Skull Daggery uh, in second with 99 points. Bernie Hinabini on 78 points. Um, actually, my apologies, that's uh, that's the round score. So the total score for Quality FC, 193 Skull Daggery in uh, with 181, Bernie Inabini with 176, Come Dog Millionaire uh, with 175, and Aaron Morrow number five, Coolio as Tulio with 175. That's Coolio as Tulio. Tulio needs to be a bit more Coolio after that free kick. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm keeping him. Other highlights in the top 10 there. Who's your nanny uh, in sixth spot? <laughs> Love that name. Uh, your mate Trogs FC, Carl Morrow in eighth. Um, and Come Dog Millionaire in 10th. Shoot Farkin uh, is another very good one. I quite like in 11th spot there as well. Um, no idea where I am. I'm somewhere right down in 20th. Sad. Is Shoot Farkin you, Josh? I think I'm further down. Yeah, I... Benny, hates, Benny hates the Jets. Joshua oh, yeah, in 27th. On 134th. Do just have to give a quick shout out for this name as well. Uh, in 59th point, uh, 59th place, I should say. Better call Hall. Oof. 
Very good. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's that's making a run at best name. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely up there. Um, as a big fan of Better Call Saul myself, yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, 62, though. Let's not mention that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who's in this comp can look for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> They're in there for now. You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. You boys come up with a good question. It is, of course, that time of the week where we answer your questions. And as always, thank you all so much for your submissions across the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the ccmfans.net forum. We'll kick things off over on Facebook uh, this week with David Foxall. Uh, David says, hey, boys, would you make any changes for this Sunday or just stay solid with last week's starting lineup? For me, this also ties, ties in with uh, Jamie Downs' question. Uh, in my opinion, Dan Hall to return on Sunday, but who does he replace, in Jamie's opinion? It's uh, Brian Kaltak. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah, not because he was terrible, just because I think that Dan will add something there. And um, yeah, so agree with that. Yep, for sure. I think that's the only change that um, that I'm making as well, Dan Hall, to, to come back in. Um, very interested to see him partner Kalechi at the heart of defence there and um, see how those two go. Um, it's a real um, it's a real opportunity for a lot of players this week as well, playing against a, a Perth side um, coming off the back of a, a pretty, not demoralising, but last gap heartbreaking sort of defeat against a 10-man Jets side who... I didn't think were that fantastic. Um, perhaps I'm biased. Uh, so it's a, a good opportunity for a lot of players to really show what they can do this weekend. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. We're probably going to touch on that later. Johnny Needham on Facebook. He asks, out of the podcast team, whose underwear would you least like to put on after they've played a match and why? So uh, out of uh, out of out of Josh Moz, uh, Luke, uh, and we'll include myself and, and Jimmy in this as well, of course. Wow. Sorry, sorry, Moz. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> yeah. Go on then, if you're about to vary that. Uh, yeah. No, nah, sorry, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to jump in there because it's uh, topical now because I was going to agree with Pete's first attempt, but. Um, <laughs> Because, mate, I've, I've seen my undies after I've played football and I certainly don't want to put them back on again. Crikey. Yeah, right. No, sorry, Moz. <laughs> <laughs> it's similar, It's similar actually, to when I go swimming. <laughs> oh, what a visual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Josh, Josh doesn't play anymore. So, yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm safe. <laughs> safer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. Safer. Safer for sure. That's the right word. <laughs> <laughs> Josh? I honestly have to go with Moz. It's, uh, he's, 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 just, he's, he's just he's buried himself. himself. Yep. He's just buried himself there, so I'm going to have to go. With it. And he's probably got the old man smell going on after the game. So <laughs> Probably got the old man smell going before the game. <laughs> uh, I love you, Moz. Um, on a serious note from Johnny, though, uh, he asks, given how good our preseason form was, did you find su- Saturday or Sunday, rather, a little underwhelming, perhaps? Uh, defensively, I thought we looked a bit too shaky at times, a little slow. Where do you think is our biggest area of concern? I don't disagree with that. I don't, I, but at the same time, I don't totally agree with it. I, I feel like we weren't. We showed some shaky signs, yes, um, but um, I'm not overly concerned about it. Um, 
but I do think it's a good way to, you know, bring Dan back into the fold and look for that experience there and create that um, competition in the central defenders roles. But other than that, I, I didn't, um, I didn't think that there was too much I didn't like about us. It kind of felt like a first game of the season sort of vibe, like partnerships and, you know, some passes maybe would have gone astray and we weren't in our full rhythm. So I don't think there's too much to worry about. And I'm sure as we're going to mention, we're playing Perth on the weekend and that's a chance to sort of rectify some things and get our season off and running for sure against what I think is probably the poorest team in the league. Scotty McGee wants to know who our man of the match was on the weekend. Uh, he personally thought Kalechi and Caltech were outstanding. Uh, also, though, Aongo's defensive pressing was quite impressive. Pressing was impressive. Uh, try saying that really quickly. Yeah, I think we've uh, sort of run through that. Yeah, with the three two ones and yep. uh, all that yeah. sort of thing. But it could have gone to a couple of players. Not sure whether or not I'd label Kalechi and Caltech as outstanding. Mm. Um, I just think they were um, solid while looking a little green. Mm. Um, so, and yeah, definitely agree with the Ayongo comment. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, on the weekend, it wasn't really a standout. If the Cumberland go gets that second goal, he gets my three points. Um, but, um, I thought Nizzy had a quietly good game. I get, we talked about it before, but I thought there were some good signs from Nizzy, especially coming back from an injury. So he sort of, you know, he wasn't at his complete best, but, uh, good signs from Niz for me. Well, yeah, he's recovered from that double ankle surgery that he had in, in preseason and um, speaking to, to people who are involved in, in sort of sending him off for that as well, um, that's going to put him in really good stead to uh, play without pain throughout the course of the season now as well um, because he did have a couple of sort of impingements in his ankle, um, which is the reason for his surgery there. And um, it's actually going to allow him to – it's going to free him up uh, physically. Um, and he's going to be able to strike a ball a lot more cleanly now, apparently. So looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Yeah, I agree with your assessment there, Josh, that he quietly went about doing the business. And with Niz, the expectation now is different. Like we know what Niz is capable of so far. And for me anyway, and probably you blokes as well, I, I think Niz has still got a bit more to deliver um, and the ankle stuff probably just helps with that. So that that potential there, I think he has risen levels along the way already, and still has a couple more that I think he can probably get out of himself. So, so I thought it was a decent start, especially given his checkered preseason. So, agreed. Uh, Cameron Murray, I like this question actually. Which Mariners teams would you like to see play against each other, and who would win? Uh, Cameron would love to see the two thousand seven eight premiers against the two thousand eleven two thousand twelve premiers. He's on to something. Mm. That is a good yeah. question. That's yeah. a very good one. I'm just I'm just gonna go. I'd I'd like to see. I'd like to see the 0506 team, the first season against the championship team. I'd like to see the championship team. I'm just I'm just weighing up whether whether we go with this year's squad or last year's squad. What about the championship team against the Stadge team? Or the or the Stadge team. That was the other side of things because because we did finish higher up the table um, under Stadge, of course. I reckon that Cameron's across a bit of it. I, I I'd I'd be interested to see the seven eight. Premiers versus the championship team mm. um, and just some of the matchups there mm-hmm. um, and some of the names um, like um, Aloisi and uh, uh, Yedinak, um, these kind of players coming up against the likes of Montgomery, um, Harch, um, 
Sainsbury, Matty Ryan, this kind of stuff, you know. So some fantastic names. Vidmar in the first the 07, 08 team. Um, Bookers. So, yeah, interesting question. No, I figured it out. I want to see the 2012-13 team against the 2015-16 team. Oof, you obviously like goals. <laughs> <laughs> I want entertainment. I want goal machine. Yes. <laughs> That'd be about 9-1, I think. Oh, comfortably. Comfortably. We'll be setting some new records. Uh, Who's getting the one? That, did that season? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, Astrobal? Not Fletcher. Um, oh, that's a year later. <laughs> yeah. That's no, Travis that's Travis Major. Travis Major with a consolation. Oh, maybe. No, I was thinking Bingers. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Or maybe uh, oh, Mitch Austin. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> let's let's wow. not talk anymore about that squad. I'm going to cry. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> Matt Grandevec, uh on Facebook wants to know, when will Matt Simon's testimonial be played? I want to know, too. Um, as Sean did mention, though, potentially during the World Cup break, which I think is a fantastic idea. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, but I'd tolerate uh, having it then and another one after the end of the season. And... Um, yeah, but the World Cup would be a good opportunity if they can figure out how to do it and, uh, you know, look after the players as well. Mm. And stream it. Yeah, for sure. But I pr- presume we're all thinking it's going to be at Plume Park. Uh, yeah. Surely. I mean, that's why they had, um, that's why they had, you know, Hacho's testimonial and, you know, Simo's had plenty of good moments there over the years as well. So um, it'd be pretty fitting, I think. It's the first time, it's the first place we, we all ever saw Maddie mm. Simon play probably. Yep. Um, so yeah, what a what a return. Um, Dave Bloom wants to know if you could choose one song as your entrance song every time you've walked into a room for the rest of your life, what would it be? Thunderstruck. Oh, okay. I okay, yep, Thunderstruck. I thought you might have gone for you'll never walk alone or something, maybe, but uh yeah, okay. Oh, you've heard enough of my Liverpool crap for tonight. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> Uh, John Cena's entrance theme. From the oh, game. he's beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in hindsight, that could potentially get a little bit annoying after after the first, you know, seven or eight hundred times that it happens. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a bit of a Simpsons reference here. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, "Why Can't We Be Friends." That suits. That suits you. I like it. <laughs> It suits me. Okay, I'll say no more. Um, over, to, <laughs> over to Twitter, Chris Harris wants to know, when is Dan Hall back? He is back this weekend, thankfully. Um, Thurbs wants to know if uh, Garang, Qual or Nectar Triantis will be available uh, for this weekend. It's all going to depend on how they pull up after their final match of the uh, under-20 Asian Cup qualifications, I suppose, as well. They'll be keen to get back in the team, I reckon. So if they have any chance at all and Monty's willing to select them, then I reckon they'll be in. Um, not absolutely sure who I'm bringing them in for, though. Mm. Like, obviously, Grang probably off the bench to um, uh, create some havoc when we need that to happen. Um, but less so sure about where Nectar, who Nectar would replace. Uh, yeah, I think Cam Windus might have been on the bench on the weekend. You'd think maybe that 
might be the swap if it if it's to be made i don't even necessarily think it needs to be made i'd give nectar another week off i think cam windows is a more than capable a-league center back um so i have no hesitation in, in leaving him there and giving uh, nectar another week to to recover um hopefully garang pulls up well i'm not even sure when they land as well because i think their final game is next Oh, this this Wednesday or something. So you'd think they probably only get back on Friday or something like that. So doesn't really give them much time to to regroup and recover and get back into the squad there. So yeah, we'll um we'll see. The Western game in a couple of weeks will def will uh probably be the the first chance mm. they get to get some game time possibly. Mm-hmm. Of course, as we've seen as well, the uh, the Western game uh, has been moved, as we did touch on with Sean. That is no longer out at Mudgee. Uh, sad, sad for me. I was really looking forward to that weekend. Um, me too. Yeah, but um, yeah, we're we're back at home, baby. Yeah, paradise. Bring it on. Um, and Rocky on Twitter wants to know why are we playing the Jets at home twice in ten days? Peak A League scheduling. I will answer that and say you've already answered that in the second sentence of your uh, your question there. Yeah. Yeah, like scheduling. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, yeah. we can't control the weather though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think he's putting any blame on on the fact that we had to reschedule it. And if he is, then I'm going to have to disagree. Hard disagree. Um, but I know the the league and the club were both very keen to um to get it done before the end of the year. Um, and it was either a matter of doing it before the World Cup break or after the World Cup break. That's the only real sort of time after the World Cup break that it would fit in, um, in that sort of start of holiday period there. So, yeah, it's a shame that we've already got a game against them within that 10 days. But I think as, um, as one of our friends said on the weekend there, it kind of makes it feel like a two-legged tie, sort of, except both legs are at home, I think, aren't they? That's going to be a busy schedule uh, in come Christmas time. We've got a lot of games happening, as mm. usual, in that December, January period. So... Yeah, looking forward to a looking forward to a almost Christmas, I guess, derby. That'll be fun. I can never complain about a um, derby. Um, only about our combatants. So, especially both at home as well. Why are we playing the Jets at home twice in ten days? So we are actually at home. I'm loving yes, it even yes. more. Yeah, like I said, like a two-legged tie, but both legs are at home, baby. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, over to the ccmfans.net forum and another one I'm loving this week, this question from Shipwreck. You're about to get into a bar fight you can't escape from. Which Mariner, past or present, would you want to have your back? I think you. I think I think I know what you're thinking on this one. This could go one or two ways for me, really. I've got a couple in mind. Uh, Moz, let's start with you. I was waiting to hear what you guys had to say, actually. <laughs> eh? All right, all right. I'll go first then. Um, in this bar fight, I want someone who's agile, tricky, unexpectedly strong, unassumingly able to belt the opposition for me. I'm going with Niz. Oh, oh, I like it. Pocket that's rocket cool. power, mate. <laughs> huh? Big heart. Yeah. That's good, and I was I was talking to um I was talking to uh, Steve Lloyd uh, at the weekend about just how strong this is too. So I think um yeah that's a that's a good shout. Mm. Not sure where you know he might not be punching too many of them on the chin, depending on who they are, but <laughs> might be hitting them where it hurts. Sorry, Niz. Josh, uh, I think I'm going to have to go with a answer that's 
probably an easy one, but I'd have, I'd, you'd have to go with Matty Simon, surely. What a guy to have on your side, you know. Uh-huh. Just a, a guy that definitely have your back, and as you, as we saw, he can uh, talk a good game with Pena last season. So you know that <laughs> there's going to be some shit talk. He's going to have your back, and he's going to he's going to sort some people out. So I'd have to go with Maddie for sure. Yeah, yeah. Look, Simo was one of my two choices. Simo, I think, just um, he would fight with his heart on his sleeve, and he's the kind of bloke that would um, absolutely you know die for his mates sort of thing so um but because you've gone with simo i'm gonna go with my other option um yeah <laughs> eddie bosner yes absolute fucking psychopath <laughs> 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 i would just stand behind him and just go eddie go <laughs> get him <laughs> It's, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Legend, uh, where Tom Hardy plays uh, the the Cray twins. Um, I have, but not for a long time. And um, one of one of the Cray twins is is more um, uh, sort of calculating and, and well spoken, and and um, the other one is just a complete and utter fucking psychopath. And uh, they get into a bar fight, and um, yeah, he just absolutely bodies a whole bunch of people it's uh it's a great film if uh, if you haven't seen it uh highly highly recommend it can't argue just, with the maddie simon call though to be honest because i could just i could just see the glint in his eye and the excitement oh, yeah. over five after five or six beers when we both walked out of the pub <laughs> his his shirt's ripped and uh he's he's got his arm around me he's like hey, how was that <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Whereas with with Ed, like everyone would be, you know, out cold in in pools of blood on the floor or whatever, and he'd still be looking for the next victim. Um, so you know, <laughs> I definitely crazy eyes. Yeah, yeah, I'd have more fun after the fact. I think with with Simo, um, but <laughs> what a what a great question. That's fantastic. That just got me thinking of like, what what would it, what about an international player? Because the one the first one that came to mind, Vinnie Jones. Imagine having Vinnie Jones on your side in a fight. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not the International Football Ramble podcast, is it? It's the Coast Football Ramble podcast. So. <laughs> well, that just reminded me. Yeah, I just sort of pointed out. Never no, mind. That's, a good, that's a good shout. That is a good shout. Yeah, he's a complete – Roy Keane, I think, as well. Yeah. Maybe the complete psychopath talk maybe just made me think of him. <laughs> it's a good shout. Um, ads on the ccmfans.net forum. When should we expect to see the statue of Matty Simon unveiled and what pose will it be in? Uh, when? Surely it's only a matter of time. What pose? Uh, well, I'm going to go first on this one, standing over Ziggy Gordon. It's got to be. Yep. Also, oh, I mean, the Shuckers as well. So, you know, you can have one at each entrance as well, one on the western stand, um, one, one on the eastern side as well. Perfect. Yep, the Shuckers for me, but um, I like your style on the uh... – Standing over, pointing down. Yes. Yeah. Or maybe you have one at the COE as well. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And Plume. <laughs> at East Gosford um, home ground as well. Yeah, Hilton Moor. Well, and while we're at it, he's played for Terry Gill in Wyoming, hasn't he? So. Oh, Alan Davidson as well then and, and, and Duffy's. <laughs> yeah, you know, may as well get one down at Wyoming Coles. Beautiful. Uh, every every local problems. club that he's played against, get one down there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Oh, very good. <laughs> and Thurbs again on the ccmfans.net forum. Is Sean able to confirm that the Simon statue will have Ziggy <laughs> Gordon laying at his feet? That's uh, that's perfect. That's beautiful. <laughs> well played, Thurbs. Over to Instagram where Eamon Wild wants to know, are there any rumours about more signings coming in? I don't think so. I think we're pretty well done. Yeah, I think so too and – I'm not sure who we would want out to get any of those ins. Um, mm. 
So obviously um, our latest signing was a bit of a late addition. So that probably topped, certainly uh, eliminated our final foreign spot, didn't it? So won't be anything like that if it is, but uh, maybe in January if we lose a player. Yeah, it depends. Well, I mean, we're losing Garang in, in January, obviously, as well. Um, and we do so have to freeze up a, free up a visa spot in January to get um, Resh registered as well. So um, if you know, there might be a visa player going already, I don't know yet to be seen. Cooper Irwin on Instagram wants to know, these are some great questions this week, lads. Um, if you had to be stuck in the car on a 10-hour drive with three players from the Mariners, who would you want to be stuck with? Is this like all time or this season squad? Uh, let's just go with this season squad. Well, number one, it's Cumdingo, of course. He's <laughs> going to be the life of the party. He's not. He's probably going to talk the whole time. Um, who else? Oui, oui, monsieur. Benny. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've got. I've got mine. I got uh, Dan Hall, Harry Steele, and and the Cumdingo. Yeah, I was thinking Dan as well. <laughs> And Niz as well. Bailey. I mean, the, Niz, the banter yeah. between Dan Hall and, and Niz would be good. And ma- add Maxi to the mix as well. Um, I'm I'm actually taking a minivan on this road trip. So, um, yeah. Maxi cab. <laughs> All aboard. <laughs> I feel like we have to put a Garang in there somewhere, possibly oh, as well. Garangski. Yeah. yeah. He's over 18 now. So sweet. <laughs> Is this a pub crawl? <laughs> <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Who's, who's Dezo Driver? It's not going to become Dingo. Or is it like me? Robbie Chafranek. Uh, shout out to Robbie. Hope you're doing well, mate. Um, from the opening round, which player disappointed you and which player exceeded expectations? I'll go first. I think, um, if I'm being honest, I think Sammy Silvera has exceeded um, expectations. I know, as I said earlier in the show, he took a little while to get into the game um but when when he did um he looked he looked good he looked sharp uh he took his goal very 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 well um still a bit lacking defensively in terms of his work rate um but i think um we'll we'll we've seen some positive signs from him in preseason and now in our first game of the season as well so uh he's probably exceeded um what I maybe thought when we first brought him in. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's got to be the number one there because uh, I really had quite low expectations, to be honest. <laughs> I just think back to that derby yep. when he come on against us and fair dinkum, I could have influenced the game more than him and I was standing in the bay. So it was just, I don't know, it was like watching someone else. And since he come back here, he's just like, like Sean mentioned somewhere that uh, it's like he's at home and, and so, yeah, he is, he has far exceeded my expectations. Um, and because I don't like to, I don't like the, I didn't really have a um, failed to meet my expectations, to be honest, or at least nothing that was disappointing as such. So I'm going to go with um, Garang for um, his <laughs> performance was incredibly disappointing for the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not as good as his last uh, performance um, over in Wellington, but geez, uh, as I said earlier, that goal that he scored for the twenties um, on, I think it was Monday night or maybe it was Sunday, Sunday night. Oh, Pick that out. The thing wasn't even settled for him. Like the thing was like bobbling. It, in I front know, of but his, his touch to actually it. bring it out of the air as well. Ridiculous, and then just bang, like that traveled. Oh, 
Jesus Christ. Yeah. And um, a positive other note from that game as well, uh, Triantis was captain. Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So cool. there you go. Mariners boys doing good once again. Statement about how, you know, the potential of some of our young players and uh, this might be the last time that we see hmm. um, them being rewarded for their um, performance and and abilities because you know we really are attracting that's the thing with nectar my comment comments earlier about where does he come back into the team i kind of feel like he almost has to come back into the team because he's been excellent every time we've had him out there um i mean i think back to that ffa cup oof, australia cup game when i think he played every position on the pitch except goalkeeper and yeah. <laughs> and was injured while doing at least one of yeah, them yeah i forgot so, i forgot he picked up that knock and ended up up top yeah yeah and the kid the, the kid is he just looks fantastic already you can, you can see what monty's found in him or others have seen in him yeah so, yep. yeah a lot of potential there looking forward to seeing yeah how how well he goes for us um i i don't think um yeah wasn't disappointed necessarily with anyone, but I think um, Faz probably didn't have his best game, and I think he would probably admit that too. Um, just maybe lacking a bit going forwards, didn't really threaten like we know he can. Seemed to really just want to play the sort of the safe option every time, the high percentage pass, um, which found him going sideways and backwards a lot. I know that's not necessarily his game but we have seen we have seen him um you know offer the killer ball every now and then and yeah i don't know just um felt like he was maybe a touch off on the weekend it just, that just reminded me of just that that city trial that he uh set oh, up one of the goals what a ball for for yeah. uh, i think it was cummings for the first goal absolutely so we, so we know we know it's in his locker and he can he did it in mudgy as well better. for i think the the first goal in mudgy last season similar um, kind of ball yeah nearly nearly identical yeah, yeah. So he loves those balls into the channels but um yeah didn't didn't um and that might have a lot to do with the way that wellington set up perhaps um you know they like to they're, they're so well organized you know they're a, a very typical sort of Talley side, um, you know, two strong defensive banks that are hard to break down and hard to play that ball into the channels there. So um, I think that maybe says more about the way that Wellington was set up, uh, if anything. Yeah, maybe it does. I did. Yeah. Uh, now that you mention it, Pete, um, I watched the game the first time on my phone and there was a moment in the game where I whinged um, at the phone because I thought Faz could get forward to one that was close to the byline and he didn't. He didn't actually try to, and I thought, oh, come you get that? Um, which, yeah, sort of now that you say those things, it fits with what I was perceiving there, which was that he was maybe just a little bit reluctant to stick too many eggs in the basket of getting forward, maybe wondering about getting caught out behind, not sure, maybe had been instructed not to um, get in those positions, don't know. But, it, but yeah, there was at least one occasion where it was a little odd that I thought he didn't try for a ball that I thought he could have had. Yeah, it might have been an instruction there. We did actually see him finish the game at centre-back as well um, with Sormaru moving out to the left. I think Aquilina came on on the right and um, finished with a centre-back pairing of Faz and uh, and Caltac after Kalechi went off. And I think that may have been um, to try and combat the uh, the long ball in behind for Wayne. Um, just use a bit of Faz's, uh, I guess, speed. Um, he was probably the quickest defender left on the pitch at that point in time. So, But he wasn't disappointing. No, not disappointing, just not his best. And yeah. um yeah, I'm sure he'll he'll bounce back this week and he'll absolutely carve. I have no doubt whatsoever.
You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. Look at this. Look at this. Look at it. 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 Let's look ahead to round three of our Liga action. It all kicks off once again this Friday, Western whatever, uh, against MacArthur in the game that no one wanted uh, to ever exist. Fellas, <laughs> let's just get the your Foxtel quick Derby. Yeah, the Foxtel Derby. Thanks, Foxtel. Um, <laughs> fellas, let's just get your quick tips on this one. Draw, because I don't because I don't like either of them. <laughs> nice response. Um, I'm going with the Rams by one. <laughs> the Rams, very, very MacArthur good. MacArthur Rams, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I mean, that's that's their. Uh, oh, their sorry, bulls. Like, <laughs> no, no, yeah. Bullshit. Um, I'm also yeah tipping MacArthur on this one. Um, looking ahead to Saturday, the two five pm kickoffs. Uh, firstly, we'll look at Newcastle and Wellington. Hmm. Can't say. Yeah, no. you never. Want, I know. I never ever wanted to the Jets in anything, so I'm going to go Wellington. Moz. He's thinking Jets. You're thinking Jets, aren't you? I can tell by your face. I'm putting a tip in on this game. <laughs> There's my prediction. I'm going to tip a draw. Yeah. Um, draw in this one. Uh, the other five o'clock kickoff on Saturday, Wanderers hosting Brisbane. Again, I don't want to do it, but Wanderers. Yeah. I know. Imagine if Rudin gets three from three. It's going to be uh, It's going to be three from three for the Wanderers, but it. I promise it all falls apart in a screaming heap after that. Um, I imagine his press conference, though. He'll probably be suggesting that they should be taken on Barca or Manchester City or someone <laughs> next. Because they're legendary, aren't they? Like they should uh, do a documentary about their incredible playing style. Oh, God. I'll stop now. Oh, get off it. <laughs> um, the Melbourne Derby rounds out Saturday action, 7.45 p.m. kickoff victory against City. This should be a good game. Mm. Um, I'm going to go a high-scoring draw. Entertaining high scoring draw. So a two, I think two, two. Bit worried about this one, but I'm going to go with shitty. Mm. But I won't be surprised if victory burn them. Mm. I'm thinking city as well. Um, I think they've just got a little bit too much. Turning to Saturday afternoon, the three o'clock kickoff, Sydney FC hosting Adelaide United. I'm going to get in early on this one and say Sydney, I think. Yeah, I think on last week's performances, Adelaide can't put chances away and Sydney scored a couple of good goals. So I think Sydney are probably going to get the job done here. Yeah, agree. The only uh, team that I'm more adamant about um, tipping is in the next game. Shit for me in this one. <laughs> yeah, feeling fairly comfortable. Unanimous there. Before, of course, uh, we return to our paradise the five o'clock kickoff on Sunday afternoon, your Mariners hosting Perth Glory. It's a simple one for me. Yeah, this is this is the chance to kick off our season against a, a Perth team that we can definitely beat and beat well. Fellas, yeah, I, I think... want a I want a score prediction from each of you on this one as well. Three <laughs> one CCM. Yeah, I'm not far out of that. I think we'll um, should be able to win this comfortably. Um, a little bit worried they might score though. So similar to Josh, I'm torn between three and four one because I think we might start to find a bit of a scoring groove mm-hmm. happening. Um, I'll stay with Josh on the three one, not be overly optimistic. I'm going. I'm going nine uh, one Mariners. Uh, we're going. <laughs> nah, I'm not really. Um, 
I am going to go with 4-1, though. I, I like that one. Um, I think Matt Hatch to return to Central Coast Stadium and score a consolation for Perth. Um, so it will be uh, the Coasties all getting it done on the day. How good would that be? Imagine if he sits on the bench and then comes on and scores with his first touch. It's a given. It's an absolute given. You know <laughs> it's written in the stars. It is absolutely <laughs> happening. I mean, Hatchy was always going to come back to haunt us. So I just didn't realise how Perth were going, how poor Perth were going to be this season. So um, I think, um, yeah, he'll bag one, but we'll bag four. He'll be sending a few messages after that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to score? You can't go past the Cumdingo. He scores. He scores when he wants. He's getting at least one. Uh, I think he might be on for two this weekend. Yeah, he scores when he wants, and I think it's about time because he's you know been through a whole match now that Benny popped one away too. I was gonna, I was about to say Benny as well. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yep. So, Dingo one, we'll on... Silvera one, Ayongo uh, one. Oh, Ooh. Paulie. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad shout. Yeah, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Paulie one, Dingo two, Benny one. I was thinking that uh, Qual might come on and make you a four, actually, Pete. But anyway. Yeah, well, that was the other thing. I, I'm just not convinced that um, that he's going to be back in time. Uh, so I think he might have another week off. That's just my gut feel. I have no sort of inside scoop on this one. We'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, he'll be desperate to to get out in front of the home so in front of his home fans, rather I should say, on the weekend um, for uh, you know one of the few games that he's got left at Central Coast Stadium. So, um, you know, if uh, if he's even a chance of playing, I'm sure that uh, that he'll be in Monty's sorts. That is all we have time for this week. Once again, on the Coast Football Ramble podcast, it has been uh, an absolute pleasure once again rambling with you fellas, albeit virtually. Uh, Hopefully we'll get back together in real life uh, back in the studio very, very soon. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, Had to actually go to work. (laughs) (laughs) Who actually goes to the office these days? Oh, no. Oh, no. Can someone have a word to my boss? <laughs> nah, it's all right. Probably worked out better for, for all of us, I think, in the end. Um, aside from Boise, who sadly couldn't make it uh, to join us this week, he is on dad duty, uh, living that dad life now uh, with his young son, Benny. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't think we actually – did we publicly congratulate him yet on the on the pod? I don't think so. I don't think we have. So uh, we'll take the opportunity now. Uh, congrats, <laughs> belatedly. Um, for, uh, I think the, I think we're all waiting for him to announce it himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Didn't want to take it away from him. Um, but um, also in saying that, uh, he's banned from the show until he gets his hair done. So, yeah. That's, so the rumours that he was at, he's uh, not on the show today because he's getting his hair done are false. <laughs> unless they're true in which case he'll be back next week we will see but uh until then well until sunday um make sure you get down to bay 16 as you heard uh sean say there might even be a matt simon in the bay who knows who's to say not me he might be there <laughs> it'd be pretty good if he was but but until then ladies and gentlemen thank you all so much for tuning in once again to the ramble and uh we'll catch you next time let me see you bye Get your hand out of his mouth.